our church. Um, what a privilege it is to be able to share the message again with you today. And uh, I hope you've been enjoying the series, Okay But First. The last three weeks, Okay But First Rest, Okay But First Contentment, and Okay But First Kindness. Today we're looking at Okay But First Make Room. And I know... Obviously, there are many of you that are not in the room. We've got a couple of staff and some of our worship team that are in the room, so you could maybe lift your hands. But how many of you struggle with claustrophobia? How many of you struggle with claustrophobia? Claustrophobia, basically, when you look it up, it's this, um, it basically speaks about an irrational fear of small spaces or confinement. And the truth is, it is irrational, but when you're in it, it feels so real. And my first real experience with um, claustrophobia was um, on a school camp. Um, we had to do what was called the snake pit. I don't know how many of you um, encountered the snake pit. Um, but basically, the idea is it's half a meter underground, and there's this trail that goes for a couple, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred meters. It felt like a couple of kilometers at the time. Um, but it goes underground, and it's kind of zigzags, and it's got dead ends, and there's this rope. But literally, you're like on your hands and knees, like crawling through. And behind you, you've got somebody screaming, go! go, go, and in front of you, you got this backside, and you don't want to go, 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 and every dead end, and like you're breathing in the air, and I remember kind of having this mild to, I'm going home to see Jesus panic moment underground, feeling like claustrophobia was an issue, that small confinement, and that issue has followed me throughout my life, to differing levels, like port lose like I don't know what the irrational fear is like picked up by a truck and like and never to leave the portaloo. Let me tell you what the smell of a portaloo is my least worry. It's being locked in this confined space and I and I, I got gotta say like the COVID season like there have been few and far between glorious moments, but one of them has been the hug free in twenty like that has been some of the best stuff in my life. I, nobody has hugged me. For an entire year, I've been, there hasn't been this like close space. And I don't mind like a little kind of, I've shared about this before. I don't mind like a little hug or like a, you know, kind of shoulder to shoulder or side quick in and out. Like I'm, I'm good with that. It's the guys that kind of hug you and hold on to you. I'm like, dude, counseling at openscars.co.za. Like you do not need to hold on to me while you hug me. And um, the snake pit probably takes the cake for my most claustrophobic moment. But coming in a close second was five years ago. Um, we were traveling with friends of ours throughout Italy. And I don't know why, but we chose um, June, July time, middle of baking hot summer in Europe for anybody who's been like literally guys I'm talking like you see figures of like 46 47 degrees it is hot 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 and um, mostly between kind of 11 and 2 or 3 we took a little siesta um, but we had to catch a uh, tram in, at 12 o'clock to get 45 minutes out of town, to get to a bus, to get to a train. And so we got all our luggage. And you know how it is with your luggage. You always like, you start out with a certain amount of luggage. But as you're traveling, you know, your wife buys this and then you picked up that. And now all of a sudden the clothes don't fit as nicely. So we're really carrying all the stuff. And it is hot, guys. Like I'm talking, like you're standing on the ground. If, you're, if you stand for too long in one place, as you lift up your, your feet or your shoes, the soles of your feet are like, oh, your feet of your shoes are like sticking 
to the ground. It is hot. So we get onto this tram, 12 o'clock, and already you're just feeling like grumpy because it's like hot and sticky and like, you know, and, and, and so we're on time. And I think the tram's going to cruise, but it just stays there and the doors stay open and more people get on and then more people get on and then more people get on and it starts to get a little ridiculous, you know, you're starting to feel like this is getting really, really full now and then more people get on and, and you know that polite thing, if you've traveled anywhere on one of those buses, you know, you kind of just shuffle like this, you know, and then you shuffle a little like this, you know, and, uh, and then like the kind of claustrophobic panic control freak in me st- takes my bag and shoves it in front of me with this passive aggressive like you sit on my bag if you want to take my space and then more people get on and I'm not joking guys you can't breathe like there are more people my wife and friends we split up I mean they're only a meter away but but it's like it, more people get on and more people and eventually you there's no more space on this bus and more people get on and eventually and this is way out of character for me I'm not the guy who who makes a scene at the restaurant like Hill I'm not the guy who shouts out when I'm, I'm the guy who's like everything fine everything and like eventually I, I there's no and eventually more people and I just shout out there's no room my wife's looking at me she doesn't get embarrassed she's embarrassed and there's, there's there's no room and I wonder how often our lives shout to God there's no room. Our lives are so busy and full and frantic and chaotic and that it just shouts to God, there's, there's no room. There's no room for you, God. I wonder how often we ask God to do a work in our lives and He shouts back, there's no room. I'd love to do some work in your life, but there's no Room, And I want to talk about two accounts in the Bible that look at the life of Jesus. One account where they made room and the other account where there wasn't any room. And the first account, you may know the story, it's the birth of Jesus. Mary is pregnant and she's had to travel from another town and she arrives at uh, Bethlehem and she has this encounter at the first kind of holiday inn, the Bethlehem Inn. And we pick up the account in Luke chapter 2 verse 7 and it says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in the manger, that being Jesus, because there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the inn. Now, I don't know the marketing strategy for the Bethlehem Inn, but I'd hazard a guess that if they had made room for Jesus, they would be the only hotel that could put up on their website flash on their social media, put up on the billboards, the only hotel in the world to have birthed the Son of God, the Savior of the world. I wonder, church, I wonder how many times God wants to birth something in your life and my life, but there's no room on the bus. There's no room in the inn and there's no room in your hearts. And on the flip side of that story, fast forward right to the end of Jesus' life, Jesus has died on the cross and a guy by the name of Joseph goes to the rulers, the authorities, and he says, can I take the body of Jesus and put him in my tomb? We'll pick up the verse in Matthew chapter 27, verse 60. 
And it says this, he being Joseph, placed it, the body of Jesus, in his own new tomb, which he carved out of rock. Joseph made room for Jesus. I wonder how many of you need to carve out room for Jesus. Some of you are looking and going, Carl, I'd love to, but it's just too hard. It's just too hard. Well, I wonder how hard it was to carve out room out of the rock. And you know, we are privileged to know the story of Jesus. We know the account goes that Jesus died, Joseph took him and put him in the tomb. And three days later, he, raised, he was raised from the dead, that he conquered death, that he conquered sin. But Joseph didn't know this. Joseph didn't know the miracle that was waiting just because he made room. He simply just made room for Jesus. And when he made room for Jesus, he became a catalyst, part of the story of the Savior of the world. I wonder, church, how many dead things in your life and my life could be raised from the dead if we just made room for Jesus. How many things does Jesus want to birth, but we need to make room? How many things does he want to raise from the dead, but we just need to make room? How many miracles are waiting for us just to make room? Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, one of my favorite verses says, now, to him, that's being God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could all ask, think, or imagine. Come on, how many of us want to see God move like that? And it goes on to say this, according to his power, so God's going to do it, that is at work within us. You see, the miracles, the more than we could ask, think, or imagine, the power of God, it works within us. Not in spite of us, not around us but within us. How can God work in your life and through your life if there's no room in your life? Listen, same verse uh, just written in the message version. It says, God can do anything, you know. Some of you right now need God to do anything, something, the impossible, the miraculous. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Come on, that's the kind of faith that I want. That's the kind of faith you should want. That's the kind of faith open skies should be living by, saying, man, this was greater than my wildest dreams. But how's God do that? He does it not by pushing us around. Church, He is a gentleman. He's not going to force His will, force His power, force His miracles on you. He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working within us. Listen to how it describes it. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Deeply and gently. Church, you know why God is unable to do work in some of our lives? Because we're giving him a surface level relationship and expecting a deep work of God. You can't have a surface level relationship and expect God to do deep work. When I think about the word gently, it speaks to me anyways of intimacy, personal, like we've actually got to know each other. It speaks about time. You can't do anything gentle in a rush. And so when you look at your lives and the move of God and his kingdom coming, I think that we got to make some room. So the question I guess today is how do we carve out room 
for Jesus? How do we make room for Jesus? And the scripture that comes to mind is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Come on, let's just be honest for a moment. The truth is we're in this constant struggle and tension about seeking first everything else. When I get, if that comes off, if that happens, then God. God's like, seek first. If we're going to make room in 2021, we got to seek first. And can I ask you this question today? Turn up the heat just a little. Is Jesus first? And are you seeking him? Because those are the two big words that jump out to me. Everything else seems to just follow. But if I just seek first and I'm a bit of an A-type personality, and so if you tell me I need to do something, then I like want to get all my ducks in a row, and I want to do it properly, and I want to do it hard, and I want to be all in. And so for me, when I hear seek first, I all of a sudden go, okay, okay, I need to, I need to prioritize God. I need to spend time with Him. I need to read my Bible. How many chapters a day? Okay, three chapters a day. Then I read the Bible in a year. Okay, I need to pray. I need to go to church. I need to make sure I go to home group. I need to listen to a worship song. I need to put on a podcast. I need to seek first. How am I going to seek first? Well, I'm going to map it out, and then I'm going to measure it. I'm going to try and make sure that this is what I need to do and then I make sure that it's successful. I'm going to map out and then measure it. I don't know if any of you are like me, but have you ever stopped to wonder how God measures our time with Him? Not how you measure it. Not even how sometimes Christianity measures it. How does God measure our time with Him? Like, what does He anticipate? What does He value? What does He look forward to? Like when about spending time with us what gets him going going man that would be exciting that would be awesome how does he critique or weigh it and can I ask this question if he weighed your time would you be a lightweight or a heavyweight how does God measure our time our seek first our make room and can I just share an honest confession with you my kind of quiet times that's kind of the Christian word for spending time with God. My quiet times over the last decade have had good patches and bad patches. Like I've had great rhythms and I've had not so good rhythms. And to be honest, when that happens, I find that my time with God looks more like this. Guilty, rushed, distracted, religious, mundane, and mindless. Anybody else? Anybody else feel guilty? Like I need to spend time with God because I haven't for the last couple of days. So the motivating factor is guilt. And God doesn't want that. Well, I need, I need to spend time with God and I, it's, you know, the whole day's gone and I'm really tired, but I need to read my Bible before I go to bed. So I'm gonna read the smallest Psalm in the Bible. Or distracted, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend time with God and my phone and I'm gonna check WhatsApp and social media and I don't know that I really actually spend time with God or it gets religious that I end up just doing it because I'm doing it because I'm doing it because I'm a Christian because I'm doing it. Or it gets mundane, seriously. I, I, I can arrive and, and there's no faith, there's no joy, there's no excitement. I'm just doing it because isn't what we're meant to do? 
Or sometimes I've got to be honest, it's just mindless. Like I'm reading the Bible, but don't you dare ask me what I just read. Wouldn't be able to tell you. My life depended on it. Anybody else guilty, rushed, distracted, religious, mundane, mindless, see the danger with my list, my A-type list of having to read my Bible, having to go to church. The danger is it's doing over being. It's duty over devotion. It's religion over relationship. And one of the reasons Jesus came to earth, he did it. Look, his main reason, come to earth, die on a cross, take our sins. But that's not the only reason Jesus came. He came to pattern sonship, to show us what relationship looks like. He's like, I would love you to look like me, to have a relationship. He kept referring to God as his father. He's like, it's my dad. I'm gonna go and talk with him. So let's study for a moment. Look at a couple of verses about how Jesus had a relationship, how he would seek first and make room and connect with God. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, it says, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. God and him alone. Together, alone. Is church important? Absolutely. Is your home group important? Definitely. Does it come close to you and Jesus spending time together? Not even by a mile. God has instituted His church and He wants community, and he, but He doesn't want that to be the only place that you receive relationship. Those are great catalysts and great environments for stirring faith, but God wants you to be alone with Him. That's the goal. The goal was always relationship. Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says this, rising very early in the morning. Now, I am not a morning person. Like, only Jesus likes me in the morning. Only. I don't like getting up early. And like, it doesn't just say like early, it's like rising very early. Let me tell you something, nothing's in the Bible by mistake. So even if I don't like it, I gotta listen and learn from it. And it doesn't just say rising early in the morning. It goes on and say, says, while it was still dark. You're like, all right, can I not just do it in the dark at night? And I, I get it, like, you know, I, I'm not my best in the morning. But there really is something about your first. The first part of your day. Even this morning, my, my alarm clock went off at 5 a.m. It's starting to be dark still at 5 a.m. It was raining. And the best I could muster up is, this is for you, God. And I think, I don't know, I can't speak on God's behalf, but I think he must have been like, man, that's awesome. I need a whole bunch of platitudes and right religious act. But there's something about seeking first. And then it goes on and it says, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place alone. And there he prayed. Can we talk about prayer for a moment? Prayer must be one of the most underutilized weapons in the Christian Like often, it's the last thing we do. Sometimes, I'm just gonna be honest. Sometimes I'm embarrassed as a pastor. 
our kids being sick for a whole day and like we've like plugged medicine and checked and done this and then I'm like, oh yeah, sorry God. We nearly called this session, okay, but first pray. Because if we just started our day by praying, if we just started every meeting, every conversation, every issue by praying, I think we'd see a lot less tension and a lot more breakthrough. Okay, but first pray. And too often, I've got to be honest with you, our prayers are just emergency SOS prayers. Sherbet, we're in trouble now, God, we need you. God's like, man, if you just started every day, every day, maybe you wouldn't even have that problem that's now become a problem. And not only would all the problems diminish, but you would start to see solutions and miracles and breakthroughs and God's provision. God promises so much through the power of prayer. Matthew 21, verse 22, and whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. Honestly, I feel like Christians, when it comes to prayer and this weapon of prayer, it's like having a ride-on lawnmower sitting in your garage while you use tweezers to cut the garden. Some of us are walking around as Christians and we're like, I just don't know where God, I mean, I just, it's so hectic. If I look, there's just like everywhere. There's just grass and weeds and God's like, right on lawnmower. Just get up and pray. So much of our troubles, honestly, I believe this, would be answered if we made room for God through our prayer life. Anxiety, fear, provision, purpose, relationships restored, addictions broken, if we tackled it in prayer. And Jesus doesn't just model this prayer in solitude. He actually exhorts us to do the same. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. He will reward you. You know, some people write off answered prayer to coincidence. I found the more I pray, the more coincidence. So the more I pray, so the more coincidence. Can we commit in 2021 that we would seek first and that we would pray first? And let me help you. This has certainly helped me about measuring and mapping out my time with God because we've spoken about prayer, but it's more than just praying. These are three C's that have become extremely helpful for me to measure what I believe is how God would be measuring our time with Him. And the first C is closeness. See, you can read three chapters and have your quiet time and be no closer to Jesus. Isn't that a crazy thought? You can, you can do all the right things and be no closer to Jesus. The goal is not to read your Bible. The goal is to get close to Jesus. How intimate, personal, unique is your relationship with Him? How honest is it? How natural, how real, how raw? I don't often get to pick up my daughter from school, but it's a real privilege when I do. Um, and I'll pick her up and, and like, guys, 
I drive there and like there are all sorts of emotions. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm just super exi- excited to pick her up and, and, and then she gets in the car and I'm like, hey! She's like, hi. How was your day? Fine. What you do today? Played. Anything else? Uh, can tell you later. And I think often that's the kind of relationship we have with God. I reckon he wakes up, he's like, hey! He's like, yeah, um, bless us, protect us, also be with us. And then the other days I pick her up and I'm like, hey, Papa, how are you? And she's like, Dad, it was amazing today. I was playing out a lonely pony and then somebody was blowing bubbles and we all chased after her and then Nokobongo fell over, but we all said it's all going to be okay. And we went down the side and everybody was running and then Mrs. Sansa said, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on, but it just feels like we got relationship. Imagine, imagine we just came to God and said, I just want to be close. I want to do all the right thing. I just want to be close. I want to tell you everything that's going on. I think seek first is so much about maybe one moment in the day. I think it's about closeness with God throughout the day. Remember, God created us for relationship. And so let me ask you this. What do you talk to Jesus about? And maybe a better question, do you ask Jesus to talk to you about things? Or is it a one-way street? Is it a monologue that you have with God? Are you still enough, slow enough for long enough? Like long enough? Like do you spend enough time with God to run out of your own words and your own prayer requests? Like I don't do it all the time, but one of the things I do sometimes when I just feel like there's a lot going on, I'll walk and I'll pray until I run out of things to pray. And if that means two Ks, it'll be two Ks. If it means 10 Ks, it hasn't yet been 10 Ks, thank God. But if it, I'll walk until I'm finished. Then I'll turn around and I'll listen. We need to do a lot more listening in 2021. Listen to God. Let Him speak to you. Let's get close. I love James 4 verse 8. It says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I don't know why, but for the first decade of my Christian life, I kind of felt like that was uh, God like scolding me. Like if you don't draw near to me, I can't draw near to you. I just just always read it like that. I don't don't know why. I was like, sure, but I need to draw close to God. Otherwise he won't draw. And, and, And then a little while ago, I just felt like God, and you probably know this, but I just felt like God just spoke to me and he said, no, no, no. No, I just mean the, the moment you do. The moment you turn, I'm there. That's all I mean. I just mean it doesn't even matter what you've been through, what you've been, just draw and I'll, I'll be there. You, you can't turn quick enough and I'm there. You see, some of us are sitting thinking like, I need to get this right in my life. Huh? I need it. And some of you are going A-top and you're going, all right, I need to read my whole Bible. I need to give God a whole hour. And God's like, no, 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 it's a minute, not a mile. It's actually not going to take that much to turn this around. Just, just turn. Just draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. The first C is closeness. The second C is consistency. And can I be consistent enough that I don't arrive guilty, don't arrive feeling guilty? 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 says this, Give us today our daily bread. There is something about daily dedication. And I know that some of you are smart, so you're like, yeah, there it is. You told me it's not about religion. Now you're saying you have to have daily dedication. What has it against that there's some things that are non-negotiables in your life that happen on a daily basis, like brushing your teeth, and if it doesn't start, or putting on clothes, if it doesn't stay at home, the lockdown is good for all of us. Uh, there, there's certain things you do every day. So don't come and go, oh, well, it's religious to spend time with God every day. No, there, there's daily non-negotiables. So when you say this, when you say, I, I didn't have time today, can I just help you finish that sentence? The correct way to say that sentence is I didn't have time for God today. Because you had time. There were things you did today that you didn't have to do. But they became more important than God. And I know that may sound, I'm just trying to help all of us here go, man, in 2021, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God on a daily basis. And this idea of Give us today our daily bread is speaking about the word of God, speaking about getting the word into our hearts. And in fact, this constant daily arrival moves us from being spiritually anorexic. You know, some people will say to me, hey, Carl, I'm really battling to read my Bible. And the picture that I get, and again, I'm not trying to be harsh, I'm just trying to help you understand so that you can, you can, you can move from the place that you're in. But people are spiritually anorexic and then trying to eat this large meal out of the Word. And if you arrive every two weeks or every two months to the Word, it's hard to digest. You start to build up an appetite for the Word of God. You're not spiritually anorexic now. You're starting to build up this appetite, this nutrition for the Word of God and this consistency. And in fact, in, in, in the Old Testament, there's this account where God gives manna on a daily basis and He gives a strict command to the people. Just eat today's lot. Don't store it up for tomorrow because it'll be stale. And some of us are living on yesterday's revelation and wondering why we're battling to connect with God. Some of us are living on Sunday's revelation, this message, and hoping it's not. It's never our hope that you would listen to this message on Sunday and go, I'm full for the week. It's our hope that it would be a catalyst to get you going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday into the Word. Daily. And, and you know what that consistency does? That consistency starts to open up your ear to be able to listen and discern what God is saying through His Word, through His Spirit. And that's why Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. A lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And in a dark world in 2021, you know what you and I need? A lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The last thought, the first is closeness, the second is consistency, and the third is caliber, like a high quality. How would God measure this? I think that sometimes we can have a quiet time that looks more like a cheap knockoff, like made in China. You know it's not the real deal. You know it's just kind of something you're quickly doing because it's the right thing 
to do. And there's a human philosophy that says this, something given to God is better than nothing given to him. It's not true. God does not want us throwing him a bone. God gave us his best and I genuinely believe he deserves our best in response. So I think all of us should re-examine our seek first, our make room. I think that we should be saying to God, okay, but first in 2021, I'm going to make room and I'm going to make sure it's not rushed and not distracted and not tired because anything that has quality church takes time. Remember what God said. He wants to work in us deeply and gently. So how are we going to make room in 2021? We're going to seek first. And how are we going to measure that seek first? We're going to look at the closeness, the consistency, and the high caliber. And let me end by saying this, and then we're going to listen to a powerful song about seeking first. Let me tell you this. Jesus makes room. John chapter 14, verse 2 to 3 says this. Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am on my way to get a room ready for you? Jesus wants to and is making room for you in heaven. But God doesn't just want to make room for you in heaven. He wants you and I to make room for him in our hearts. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Come on, church, the God of heaven and earth, the savior of the world. Let's not be the Bethlehem Inn. Let's be Joseph that's willing to carve out room in our day, carve out room in our lives to be consistent and close and have a high caliber. And let me remind you of this, that God stands at the door and knocks, but he will not barge in. He's a gentleman. Listen to what Revelation 3.20 says. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. God's great invitation of salvation is not just a rescue job. It's a relationship plan. God wants to spend time with you. Seek first the kingdom of God. In 2021, okay, but first make room. We're going to take some time right now. Come on, don't, don't turn off your TVs. Don't, don't tap out right now. Why don't you make some room to let God work in your heart as we listen to this song together.